Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Now, again, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to pinpoint it because, well, I, I think you kind of know the answer to that. Paradox. Yes, you discussed that with 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 Goldberg, and he has a good finger on it. Yes. Hey, listen. Uh, also, be, beyond Von Daniken, pay attention to to Whitley. Whitley is also not who he would appear to be. <laughs> be very careful of be very careful of, of Dr. Hoagland. Hoagland has secrets. He knows things. And he hasn't even begun to indulge his treasure of secrets. Alright, uh, I appreciate the call. Uh, Dr. Hoagland is not who he says he is. Whitley is not who he says he is. And watch out for Richard Hoagland. Earth changes, tsunamis from the northwest sometime no later than August. Okay, time traveler line at area Central edition of the Michael Deacon program, reporting to you live from the wastelands of California. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners out there, thanks for stepping in and stopping on through and checking out the program. Thank you for shopping. Please come again. Joining us tonight is a veteran of the program, a man who needs no introduction. That's true. It is very true, and I believe he is patiently waiting right now. Let's waste no more time. Jim, are you alive? Oh, Michael, it's always a pleasure to be with you. I'm delighted. I can't believe it's finally happening. I've been waiting so long, Jim, and, you know, you're supposed to be here much sooner, but, you know, we dropped the ball, but I'm glad you are now finally here in the flesh and in spirit. 
Well, just to mention the wasteland of California, the shooting in San Jose appears to be another false flag. I have a wonderful guy also from California, 35 years experience in law enforcement. We've done many, many stories together, including the staging of the Kobe Bryant helicopter crash. Uh, Kobe didn't actually die in the crash. It was on a roadway where it looks like they took a truck out there and dumped some stuff. But it wasn't all the parts of a helicopter. It wasn't even parts of the helicopter that was Kobe Bryant's chopper. So he and I recently did a review of the shooting in uh, Colorado, that grocery store thing, Michael. That was picked, you know, so they could make the claim you can't even be safe if you go to a grocery store, right? And, of course, we've had past shootings in churches like in Charleston, and they're going to continue to do these events one after another. It's going to fall flat, however, Paul, because they blew it big time with their defund the police. Everyone knows now that if you cannot defend yourself, you cannot count on the police to come to your defense. It was always a bit of a sticky wicket because on the average, it could take the police as long as 20 minutes to respond to an emergency call so that You're calling them because they have guns and you don't. But in the meanwhile, most of the mayhem occurs in the first five or six minutes. So by the time the police show up, your daughter may have been raped, your wife murdered, you may have been mugged. I mean, and if you defund the police, it turns out that crime is skyrocketing all over the country as a consequence. And if you were to impose an electoral map over a crime map, as my dear colleague, Dr. Eowyn, who maintains a fellowship of the Minds blog, did for the 2016 electoral map over the 2014 uh, gun violence murder map. You find the murders are occurring in all these gun-free zones that have been created by the Democrats. So that this situation is completely, completely absurd. The Democrats are even letting felons out of prisons on the flimsy pretext to protect them from coronavirus. But, but Michael, if you think about the time and effort and energy expended in tracking down, solving a crime, figuring out the suspect, proving his guilt, getting it into court, getting them incarcerated, processed, you know, I mean, the idea of, of dumping all these people on the street where they're going to go back to their past practices, especially because they've been unemployed, they don't have any source of income, obviously they're going to return to a life of crime. You got to realize that is the deliberate, intentional policy of the Democrat Party. They're trying to create mayhem in the United States. A friend of mine, also from California, an attorney, has observed that it appears the Biden administration is intent on extending the Obama plan to turn America into part of a North American Union, a merger with Mexico and Canada, which I think is part and parcel of the open borders policy. Really? They're also also flying immigrants in the dead of night to different states, Michael, because it wouldn't survive public scrutiny. All this is disgusting beyond words. Uh, where what you had out in San Jose, just to tie together a few loose ends, included a suspect who didn't even work at the uh, the, the Valley Transportation uh, 
agency. He actually worked for a company two hours away that deals with septic tanks. It's funny that the footage being shown, say, by ABC showed him at his home uh, where he's getting out of the truck and walking around behind the truck. And when you look at the side of the truck, it's for Davis Perk Testing and Construction, a company two miles away having nothing to do with the alleged crime scene. There's no evidence he was ever worked there. I mean, it's just one more bullshit story compounded by another. And when we did the event in um, Colorado, the grocery store shooting, there yes. actually was a good Samaritan who was there with a camera, call him a citizen journalist, and he began filming, and he saw there was a body out in the parking lot. There was another body right by the ramp to enter the store, but there was no blood. And he spoke to a guy right there at the doorway who, who seemed very nonchalant, about were there other bodies or were there a shooter? And he just gave a thumb indication inside the store. So the guy steps inside the store and says, wow, because there's another body line there. And then he hears shots. He hears two shots in the distance. But they're not rifle shots, Michael. These were the sounds of a handgun, and they didn't even sound like legitimate rounds. So he rushed around outside the store, took all kinds of footage, found there was an elderly couple behind the store just standing there with a shopping cart. When a SWAT team shows up, they spend more time worried about him, getting him out of the vicinity because he's taking film that's blowing their cover. The whole thing was totally fraudulent and fake. Michael, I can't tell you how disgusted I am with all this nonsense going on. And of course, as you well know, I've done a huge amount of research on these events, including Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, Orlando and Dallas, Charlottesville, Parkland, Las Vegas. I'm telling you, all of those were staged events. All of those were phony and fake. And to my knowledge, nobody died at any of them, but they did have a body in Las Vegas in that suite on the 32nd floor who looked as though he'd been on ice. And my very astute colleague, Scott Bennett, who's a former Army Intel and PSYOPs officer, observed of the handful of shell casings distributed around his head that they included blank cartridges, uh, CO2 cartridges for gas-propelled pellet guns. In other words, someone had just been a stage uh, mom, you know, just threw down some shell casings, figuring that would be good enough. I mean, it's ridiculous. Las Vegas was especially stunning because they used a pre-recorded soundtrack of a machine gun firing they played over the PA system. A very astute IT guy noticed the quality was virtually equally good all over Las Vegas, which is preposterous had this all been real. They had coordinated special visual effects of a flashing light on the fourth floor of the Mer uh, Mandalay Bay Hotel, right in the middle of the hotel, not on, on the wing. And a few floors up, they had three light flashing bursts, you know, to simulate American military weapons, which fire in three light bursts. The whole thing was phony, fake again. We even have a the FBI wiping clean cell phones and laptops that had evidence. The FBI was wiping it clean. One of my Facebook friends at the time when I was still permitted to access my Facebook page, which has been well over two years now since I was denied, Michael, had called to the three closest hospitals and asked if they'd had any gunshot admittees 
And each one of them acknowledged, no, they hadn't. And the third cheerfully added, I think you're calling about that drill. You might want to call the local police. She gave the phone numbers and said, anyone who wants can call to verify for themselves. So I did. I called and verified for myself. I got the same answer. No gunshot admittees except the third woman who'd been so helpful before had been obviously gagged. Is this the, uh, Jim, is this the individual that we, is this the individual that we both know, by the way, Jim? Well, this person was a Facebook friend. Now, Mona uh, Alexis Presley did brilliant work okay. on the uh, on the obituaries for, for 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 Las Vegas. She tracked them down and found they were when they weren't merely Photoshop variations of one another. In other words, you had some with the same victim shown twice with different names. They were based on persons who died in different states or on different dates or from different causes of death. I mean, it's. It's all to me profoundly uh, embarrassing that this country has descended to a cesspool where everything is propaganda. Nothing is real. I am simply floored. My goodness, so much to add to that. But before we dig further deep into all this, into the mess here, Jim, I did want to ask you about, you know, the, the personal life right now. Is everything okay in the home front? Everyone's good. You know, I, I always have to ask every episode. Well, that's a difficult question because uh, I already have five relatives who've taken the vax, and I'm very upset about that because I've done a huge amount of research, and it looks to me as though... You got angry at as them. Sher as Sherry Tenpenny has said, this is a perfectly designed killing machine. This is the mRNA vaccine, the Pfizer and the Moderna. We even have a, we even have a French virologist who's a joint Nobel Prize winner declaring that everyone who took the vax is going to die, that there's nothing can be done about it, and Within two years, we're just going to have to cremate the bodies. I'm hoping that isn't the case, because if it is true, it's going to be very fateful for you, me, a lot of our friends, relatives, loved ones. But it's all consistent with a Deagle.com projection that the U.S. population is going to drop from 330 million in 2020 to, and this is Deagle's new estimate, 65 million in 2025, Michael. Oh, my. Subtract 65 million from 330, and you see what we're talking about, over 250 million Americans deceased in less than five years. Think you really think it. so, though, Jim? You really think, though, that the people that really did get vaccinated, do you really think they will uh, hit the floor uh, proverbially? Well, actually, not even, not even in the sense they're really going to be hitting the floor. <laughs> Literally. Well, it, 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 it's on a delayed basis, but it just depends. Uh, I'm told there's a mix that some are getting a saline solution that's, of course, innocuous, maybe to make others believe that it's going to be safe to take. Uh, but uh, there are plenty of reports of deaths, people who took it, uh, they, who died almost immediately, others who die a day or two later, some a couple of weeks later. There's an awful lot of indication of uh, blood clotting being a, a consequence. The AstraZeneca actually has been dropped in several countries because of blood clotting. So I say and recommend to my friends and relatives, if you've had the vax, take an aspirin. Take an aspirin a day. It might actually save your life. In, in Russia, they did an autopsy of a COVID patient who had died. Yeah. 
contrary to the WHO recommendation against it, discovered the party had died of blood clots. So they put all the patients on a on an aspirin regimen, and Michael, they sent home 14,000 patients on the same day. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. So I wanna, Interesting. I want to encourage everyone, if, you, if you've had the shot or have a friend, see if you can talk them into taking an aspirin a day. It just might save their life. But what about those folks out there, Jim, that say, you know, there's a lot of people on earth already. It's, you know, maybe I want people to get vaccinated because maybe I want them to hit the floor in a few years. There, there are folks out there that, that are saying that, Jim. They're out there. Well, Michael, they don't have to hold their breath. It's happening. It's happening. Wow. Yeah, it's happening. And this uh, this uh, VERS uh, reporting is a self-reporting system. It gets about 1%, and I think we've got maybe 10,000 deaths already since it's only 1%. You can add a couple of zeros and, uh, you know, 10,000 with one zero is 100,000. Uh, with two zeros is a million. I, I think we're getting pretty high up there already. We even have reports that FedEx has a massive number of body bags in storage. Oh, shit. It appears, yeah, this appears to have been very elaborately planned, Um uh, that actually leads to the breaking story today, which is that Anthony oh, yeah. Fauci has been outed. This His is emails. really fascinating, fascinating oh, yes. Michael. Go oh, yes. It. I definitely want to mention the emails that have been released via the Freedom of Information Act request. And there are some very intriguing uh, emails there. We'll, we will talk about that. But, Jim, j- just to sprinkle on here to this conversation – uh, maybe I might be one of those people, Jim, that, you know, maybe I'm going to start telling people to get vaccinated. Maybe I do want them to be gone. Well, that would be pretty cruel, Michael. I don't think you have it in you, but that's, that's certainly true. the agenda. Yes, that's certainly <laughs> the agenda of the World Economic Forum headed by uh, this uh, Klaus Schwab, who's wanting to introduce the Great Reset, where... You know, the, the coronavirus put so many people out of work. This is oh, where yeah, it's true. David Icke, David Icke was spot on from the beginning because he said the whole plan was to wipe out small businesses in the middle class. And if you stop and think about it, if you wipe out small businesses in the middle class, and it's done a pretty good job of that, That's then true. you have yeah. really a great disparity between the, the rich and the rest of us. Uh, who are going to be, as it were, serfs and slaves toiling in the field while they're in their castles today, call them gated communities. And that appears to be exactly what they want and where the whole Green Deal, which would decimate, uh, you know, the most effective sources of energy, coal and gas and oil, uh, are going to be replaced by the completely uh, helpless, really, a totally inadequate wind and solar power. I'm sorry, you cannot you cannot run a big city on solar or, uh, or wind power. I mean, it's ludicrous. And you got this cognitively incompetent puppet in the White House, based upon a monstrous theft of an election. Joe the Biden's of which are so yeah. enormous that most Americans still to this day can't wrap their mind around it, Michael. It's embarrassing. Oh, yes, Joe Biden, everyone's favorite president, the most popular president of all time, it seems. Bigger than the Beatles. Well, 
I gather that all, all the polls are bad. Uh, you know, I, I have another colleague who's repeatedly observed he's going to be the most unpopular president in history. He's certainly even more than Bush, you think? Oh, oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. He's I mean, kind of hated, look, you know, every everything they're doing, Michael, is calculated to destroy America. Look, for example, at the promoting transgender. Fortunately, oh. we had the governor of Florida just signed a bill banning transgender from competing with girls. I remember when that act, the creating women's and girls sports yes. separate from men was passed and the whole nation was uplifted. It was a marvelous, marvelous step in the right direction. And now what have the Democrats done but go back and revert and let a man compete with women? I mean, it's no contest at all. The physiological differences yes. are so enormous that it's completely unjust, which is why there was a, a movement to create women's sports independent of men's sports in the first place anyway. And now they want to put transgenders and women in the military. Uh, look, we already have some women in the military. I served four years as an active officer in the Marine Corps. I spent a fair amount of time aboard U.S. Navy ships. And I can tell you, having a few women aboard a ship with a very large component of men Heavy in testosterone is a terribly bad idea. It's a bad combination, you're saying. Their, their minds are going to be on anything but performing their duty. Uh, you know, it's just outrageous, Michael. And yet they're having right now, we're also having this completely unqualified Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, elicit the assistance of, guess what? The Anti-Defamation League and the Southern Poverty Law Center? to weed out extremists in the military. Who, who, what extremists are in the military, for God's sake? It's a voluntary organization if you join the military. It's almost certainly for patriotic reasons. You're, it's not because you're some kind of uh, domestic terrorist or extremist, but they're trying to go after all the Trump supporters. He cleaned their clock so bad, Michael, not only in 2016 when the election was rigged for Hillary, but they didn't go far enough. So they made sure it wouldn't happen again by going way too far in 2020. So bad that the evidence of, of uh, the electoral theft is monstrous. It makes your eyes bulge out when you begin to look at the record. Evidence that's been presented by Sidney Powell, by Ellen Wood, by Mike Lindell. Hell, just look at the Texas lawsuit that was submitted to the Supreme Court, where to its eternal... Uh, shame. It declined to take the lawsuit that should have resolved the election then and there, not allowed this completely corrupt administration to come into office and wreak the damage to the United States it's undertaking. You got the Calergy plan trying to change the demographics, all this flooding of immigrants into the country. I mean, it's a deliberate plan. Let me just comment. Mexico along with most other South American nations, have very responsible migration policy where in order to migrate, immigrate to Mexico, you have to satisfy at least the following two conditions. Number one, you have to be able to show you have something to contribute to the good of Mexico. That might be a professional specialty, like if you were an engineer or a dentist or even a construction worker, that could be for the good of Mexico. And second of all, 
you have to have the financial resources to support yourself and your family, whoever is coming in with you. Now, just think if we implemented those two policies at the southern border, how it would transform the situation dramatically. But as I say, they want no borders. That's really the, the, the Biden-Harris agenda, because they want to promote the, the North American Union. And believe me, Barack Obama is behind the scenes. Some think it's actually Susan Rice who's doing the day-to-day and telling Biden exactly what to say, where to go, what to do. But it's just, uh, it's just a disgrace. And every nation in the world knows this as a monstrous joke. Foreign leaders don't want to have anything to do with Biden. They've refused to meet with many of our high-level representatives. You know, it's just so god-awful, Michael. I never thought in my lifetime I'd live to see anything like this. It's just uh, unbelievable. I think a lot of people feel the same way you do, Jim. A lot of people are sort of going through that through that uh, sort of experience and coming to that very same conclusion. And by the way, speaking of Trump, um, you know, there's been news articles and even on the mainstream, they've been saying that Trump is telling people that he's going to be reinstated as president uh, in uh, August or by August. I'm not quite sure what your thoughts and opinions are on that. But before we get there, uh, we do have a phone call. I'm not quite sure if it's for you. Jim, or if it's some angry listener out there, I hope it's someone that's angry. That's always fun. Let's put them on. Uh, caller, go ahead. You're live. Uh, hi, gentlemen. Uh, I'm not so angry at you guys. It's uh, perpetually angry at our uh, fascist government, um, the biggest terrorist in the nation. But, uh, Professor, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, what do you think the agenda is of the media? Pentagon uh, coming out with all this UFO stuff like they, they haven't known it since the, since the 40s? Great question. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. There was a time when I was about to embark on major UFO research. I had a dozen books stacked up here, and then something happened. I think it was one of these false flags that distracted me. I never got back to it. I did do sufficient research to become convinced Something had happened in Roswell. I read the report about it by Vannevar Bush, who was then the scientific assistant to Eisenhower. It all looked totally legit to me. I have a friend who sent me a video that I found fairly astonishing of small grays. And these uh, these aliens, as they certainly appeared to be, bore a striking resemblance to the figure in E.T., you know, the wonderful film, family film, bore a striking resemblance. Now, why would this be going on now? Uh, let me say in the first place, by the way, there are claims that we have adopted a lot of technology, anti-gravity and all that from the extraterrestrials. Uh, But let me say, if their technology is so advanced, then if they had a malevolent motive, if they wanted to take us out, obviously they could have done it, and yet they haven't, which tells me whatever they're doing here, uh, and it may just be a probe, you know, looking for life throughout the universe, and because of the staggering variety of distribution of other planets and so forth. I mean, the probability of life, other forms of life in the universe seems to me to be very high. 
to have human-like evolution may be another question because that's so dependent on specific features, geographical, atmospheric, and otherwise, that they might not be quite like humans. And certainly these small grays I was looking at did not appear to be real, but they certainly didn't have a human character. My thought being, in other words, that if they're doing this to lay a foundation for an alien invasion that's supposed to be another, uh, you know, illusion, political illusion, I think anyone who ponders the situation is going to recognize that if they'd wanted to do us harm, they could have done it a long time ago. They haven't done us harm. That implies to me, or shall we say, supports the conclusion that they don't bear us harm. So if we see some kind of manipulation out of this, I will say some of the stuff I've seen, for example, these green triangles, and of course that's because of the radar screen, that are, are uh, triangular in shape moving around, that, that's like a cursor on a computer set. You know, a lot of that looks like it could easily be faked, and there's an awful lot of fake stuff going on out there, and we have lots of reports of monster holograms, for example, that simply disappear. Uh, I mean, it goes on and on and on. I do believe the military has all kinds of technological capabilities of which the public is not informed purposefully. I actually believe it was a sophisticated form of holography to project the image of Flight 175 in New York and 11 Uh, on the south and the north tower respectively because with 175 where we have some 52 videos at least 27 of which were precise enough so you could plot the location of the uh, apparent plane approaching the building it's it's flying too fast to be in a a Boeing 767 where pilots for 9-11 truth produced a documentary entitled 9-11 intercepted where they show that a Boeing 767 at that altitude and speed would have physically come apart in the air. So we're talking about, in terms of the official narrative, an impossible speed. You also have the effortless entry of the plane, its whole length into the building. Well, you're talking about, you know, roughly the equivalent of an empty beer can being thrown against a stone wall. I mean, it's not going to happen. The building was designed as a tube within a tube. You had 47 massive core columns at the center. You had 230 external steel support columns, each of which were very formidable. They were connected by steel trusses filled with four to eight inches of concrete. And because the buildings were 208 feet on a side, that means each floor was an acre of concrete on a steel truss. We know what happens to an aircraft in flight when it encounters a small bird weighing a few ounces and the terrific damage that can do. Imagine encountering an acre of concrete on a steel truss. It's going to obliterate the aircraft. What ought to have happened had any of that been real would have been the planes crumbling external to the building, uh, parts falling to the ground, body seats, luggage, wings, tail, the engines, which are virtually indestructible, would have entered the building. These were intersecting multiple floors. They were hitting the building at an angle, which means the resistance posed by the building would be all the more enormous. In the case of the North Tower, intersecting seven floors, the South eight floors. And, uh, I mean, 
Just to illustrate the impossibility of the physics, the plane disappears its entire length into this massive 500,000-ton steel and concrete building in the same number of frames, and I've counted them for two different videos for the Hezerkani from the horizontal on the side and from the upper Fairbanks looking straight up. Same number of frames it passes its whole length through air, which is uh, physically absurd unless that massive building posed no more resistance to the trajectory of an aircraft in flight than air. Now, I'm simply offering this as an illustration that we have been played before. Right. And when it comes to these revelations about, you know, alien presence here in the U.S., I would not be surprised if they were setting us up to play us all over again. Right, yeah. I don't really trust these reports, though, Jim. And I know a lot of people are going to get angry with me saying that sort of thing because people want to believe. And I do, too. You know, I like UFOs. I like that sort of thing. But, well, when it comes from our own government, it doesn't always pass the smell test, does it now, Jim? No, that's that's for a certainty. And believe me, anytime you see a presentation or report of events that violate the laws of logic or the laws of, of science, physics, engineering, uh, physiology, like the magic bullet, the way we know the magic bullet theory for JFK is preposterous is because cervical vertebrae intervene. In other words, if you plot the official trajectory from the back of the neck, which was a change in location, the hit to Jack's back was actually five and a half inches below the collar, just to the right of the spinal column, a shallow shot, only went in about as far as the second knuckle on your little finger. That was already moved to the upper most uh, back, which was wrong, and then to the base of the back of the neck, actually by Gerald Ford, who was then a junior member of the commission, after they discovered that one of the shots had missed completely and injured a distant bystander, where the government, the right off the bat, committed itself to three shots, actually initially three shots with three hits, one to the back where it really did hit five and a half inches below the collar, the second to Conley's back, and the third to the back of JFK's head, killing him. But when it turned out that a shot had missed and injured a different distant bystander by the name of James Tagg, they had to now subtract one and account for all the wounds on the basis of only two bullets, which created quite an imposing chore. And of course, they couldn't pull it off successfully. But that just shows you how far the government's willing to go. It's not a, the magic bullet theory isn't even anatomically possible. What you see of the Flight 175 entering the South Tower isn't uh, physically or possible. Its flight speed in the air isn't aerodynamically possible. We had a similar situation at the Pentagon where we were told now it was a 757 hit the building just skimming the ground at over 400 miles an hour. Well, I've discussed this with pilots and aeronautical engineers. A 757 traveling over 400 miles an hour because of a phenomenon known as downdraft, sometimes called ground effect, could not have got closer than 60 or even 80 feet to the ground, where 80 feet is higher than the Pentagon at 71 feet is tall, meaning we're given another ridiculous scenario. And in addition, was it not only the trajectory of the, the, the Flight 77, into the Pentagon, the official trajectory, complete nonsense, 
but there was no debris. There was no stack, massive pile of aluminum debris at the hit point. It's only about 10 feet high, 17 feet wide. There's a chain link fence. There are a couple of automobiles to an, uh, on fire, two enormous spools of cable, but no massive pile of aluminum debris from a 100-ton airliner, no wings, no bodies, no seats, no tail. Not even the engines were recovered from the building. Later, they would insist they were, but they were not, and there was no debris, and I have huge amount of photographs that demonstrate it. You can even find this. And I mentioned in relation to JFK and 9-11, two programs that have similar titles, JFK, who is responsible and why, 9-11, who is responsible and why. You can find them online. It's amazing. Brian Rue, R-U-H-E, was my host. So if you want to find the videos online, just put in Brian Rue, R-U-H-E, uh, Jim Fetzer, JFK, who is responsible and why, or Brian Rue, Jim Fetzer, 9-11, who was responsible and why. And I'll tell you what I report there about the faking of each of the four crash sites. Two of the planes weren't even in the air that day, Flight 11 North Tower and Flight uh, 77 Pentagon. They weren't even in the air that day. The hold whole on, thing Jim. was fake. Hold on, Jim. One, one second, Jim. Evidence. Jim, Michael, one second. Yes, sir. Hold on, Jim. Hold on. Crash one moment, Jim. Major General Albert Stubblebein. I, 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 need to make, <laughs> I need to make sure if the caller's still alive. Caller, yeah, are, are you still there? there? Did, did you get the answer you were uh, seeking there? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, Maybe, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still here. Uh, the, the answer, I, I, I was kind of anticipating that. I uh, can't believe anything uh, mainstream media says. Right. It's all documented. It's all, it's all a script. Uh, but to compliment Jim's uh, Pentagon, um, uh, they also, the, the official story, they, they said that the plane had hit several light posts. And, it, it, you know, if that was real, a plane would have just spun out of control, gas, you know, gone up in a giant ball of fire, and, and you know that didn't even happen. And, and so it's just, it's preposterous that they think that we're we're going to believe this. But you know, ninety five percent of the public does, and and that complements the magic bullet theory that the, the public bots. Now it, it's it's physically impossible that these things happen, but they still believe yeah. them, and it, yeah. it's dumbfounding. Excellent, excellent, excellent. You're absolutely right. I did a, a survey of a dozen to 15 of these different fake events. You can find it on uh, How to Spot a False Flag, Part 1, How to Spot a False Flag, Part 2. It was on my website, webpage, jimtheconspiracyguy.com, but I'm not sure you can still access jimtheconspiracyguy.com. If you can't, you can definitely do a search on how to spot a false flag part one and how to spot a false flag part two. And after you go through yeah, your, that. Uh, your website's down, Jim. It, it, it's no longer working. That, that Jim, the conspiracy guy.com. Yeah. So I, I've got to yeah. do something to restore it. I got to, there's a project in the works, but it's not completed yet. But I'm saying you can find the, those videos uh, independently uh, uh, how to spot a false flag part one and how to spot a false flag part two. And if you go through them, you'll understand the scales will fall through your eyes because I go through a whole lot of them, the Boston bombing, Sandy Hook, Orlando, uh, you know, Charlottesville, Everything. Parkland. Believe me, you go, you go through those and it's done broken down into short segments. In other words, 
I give you a, a, an introduction in about five slides in each case to show exactly how we know that these were staged or fake events. And your your functional IQ in dealing with uh, false flags is going to go up about 20 points. Well, just from your work that you've done with your previous website, when you would um, have all these have all these uh, Beatles songs playing in the beginning and during intermissions, um, I that was the uh, of those. yeah, that was uh, I, I had a, a show called the the Real Deal, right. which I did with the a fellow out of Canada yeah. that were just sensational, and he used. Yeah, those, great those were very good. I also then I had a radio show, yeah, where I use the Beatles all the time, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I loved it. It's interesting you bring that up because uh, just yesterday I did a story uh, with uh, David Zublick. It was actually part two of a, a report about Paul versus Fall, where I was uh, told by by a colleague for years that Paul had died and been replaced, and I kept looking for serious evidence to demonstrate they were two different people, and eventually discovered that Wired Magazine had published a report of two Italian forensic scientists who set off to disprove the hypothesis to prove that, that Paul, who according to the story died on 9-11-1966 and was replaced, by a man whom I regard as an even better musician, actually hadn't been replaced. That was their intent, but they wound up proving the opposite. They discovered when they compared their facial features, their teeth, their palates, they were completely different people. We already had photographs where Paul was with Jane Asher, to whom he was engaged, and they're about the same height. And then another photograph of Fall, F-A-U-L, for fake Paul or false Paul, and he's about four inches taller than Jane Asher. But the forensic scientists established they had different teeth, that Paul had bad teeth and a narrow palate, whereas Fall has good teeth and a normal palate, and that their facial features are different too. Paul had a much more roundish Fall, a more oblong. So I had done a piece about it just to demonstrate how Paul had been replaced by Fall based upon the story that he had died in an automobile accident, that they, they he'd had an argument with John in the studio. He'd gone out. It was raining. He picked up a girl standing by the side of the road, and she was so excited to find herself in the call with Paul that she threw his ar her arms around him, and he ran a red light or a stop sign. The, the car was hit by a truck and Paul was pinned in the car, which caught fire. She got out, but he died in the flames. Now, I believe that to be the true story until very, very recently when a, when a colleague sent me a series of photographs of the caretaker at Paul McCartney's boyhood uh, home. And it's uncanny, but the caretaker bears a very striking resemblance to Paul McCartney. So last week with David, I had introduced this about the caretaker and how it now appeared based upon this evidence. And I, I felt there was a pretty good resemblance, but I, I knew that I was being a bit speculative because there's a definitive way of determining whether or not two photographs are of the same person by a form of superposition when they're looking at the camera from the same perspective. If you place the pupils... Uh, the same distance apart, then all the other features are going to fall into place if indeed it's one and the same person. 
where Larry Rivera, a dear colleague of mine in relation to JFK research, had mastered this technique and demonstrated in relation to a very famous photograph of the assassination of JFK that a figure in the background in the doorway who had the same height, weight, build, shirt, and T-shirt as Lee Oswald when he was arrested was indeed Lee Oswald, which we'd already inferred from based upon those properties, the improbability that it could have been anyone else is uh, essentially zero. But Larry superimposed an image of Lee over the man in the doorway, and one of Billy Lovelady, who is a co-worker of the government, insists was the man in the doorway, and Lee fit hand in glove. You can see all the features, be Lee's features, Billy Lovelady did not. So I had used Larry before when I sent him two photographs of a uh, a little kid and, a, and an older teenager and asked him if these were one and the same. And he came back with a gift where you could see where the little boy turns into the teenager. What I hadn't told him was uh, the circumstances or their identity where the little boy was Noah Posner, one of the alleged victims of Sandy Hook. And the teenager was Michael Vabner, who's supposed to be his older stepbrother, illustrating that in at least some of the cases, they fake the children by using photographs of older kids when they were younger. I mean, it's just stunning. This, by the way, is the kind of proof I wasn't allowed to introduce in a lawsuit where they were trying to bottle up those who were releasing the book. Nobody died at Sandy Hook, as a, which I released for free as a PDF to the public after Amazon banned it though it had only been on sale for less than a month, but it had sold nearly 500 copies, Amazon banned it. They didn't anticipate I would do what I immediately did to wit release a book for free as a PDF. So, excuse me. Bless you. They, uh, there he goes. They brought a lawsuit to have a claim that they could use to try to bottle up release of the, of the uh, PDF on the ground that it would be in violation of a court finding of defamation, which I'm in the process of appealing. It's a really fascinating case, and I've learned so much about the judicial system, but the circuit court judge who heard the case didn't even allow me to produce a defense. I mean, this is just outrageous. One of the elements of the offense was that I'd been negligent. They never even bothered to prove I'd been negligent. A jury nevertheless awarded $450,000 for defamation, even though I'd never said anything about the, uh, the the fellow who was suing me who actually had given the copy of the death certificate I'd published in the book over which I was being sued to a research colleague of mine by the name of Kelly Watt, who in her own affidavit had testified this was the same uh, as the one she'd been given by the plaintiff. I mean, you want to talk about a bizarre lawsuit. And if you want to find out how the appellate court handled it, Go to my blog, jamesfetzer.org, and do a search on Ron Avery, A-V-E-R-Y, and you can put in the word uh, appeals, and he explains how the Court of Appeals did convolutions to try to preserve the official narrative of Sandy Hook. I now have a petition to the Wisconsin Supreme Court, which was initially oddly enough, rejected on the ground that it had not been submitted in a timely fashion, but where my attorney submitted a motion to reconsider, pointing out that I had 30 days from the date of the court's uh, decision, which was April 7th, that I submitted on May 7th, and that that was 30 days. 
because April only has 30 days. It was a timely submission, and lo and behold, and most were rather dumbfounded, the Supreme Court reversed itself and reinstated my petition. So we'll see what happens. Interestingly, when they reinstated, they gave the plaintiff, Leonard Bosner, 14 days to reply, and I just counted it up, and 14 days from the day that they rendered that reversal by reinstating the petition is today. So uh, Posner has until midnight tonight to submit a response, which he may or may not do. I mean, the brief, my attorneys, and I now have two, even though when I went through the case, I was on my own. I didn't have any attorney. I did... uh, obtain the benefit of a terrific attorney for uh, at the state of the trial for damages, which was separate after I'd been found guilty of the defamation, where if I'd had a, an attorney in court, it would never have happened. It was taking advantage of me as a non-lawyer, which was uh, also widely regarded as reprehensible that they were able to get this uh, verdict of guilt of defamation for a whole host of reasons that Ron Avery reviews. I mean, I can't spell them out here and now for a multiplicity of reasons, but if you go to jamesfetzer.org, check out Ron Avery and appellate or appeals, and you'll find his critique of the appellate court convolutions to avoid sustaining my appeal. It is a fascinating case. We'll see what comes of it, but I'm telling you, I'm learning a lot about the judicial process, and I'm just dumbfounded by the degree to which it has been politicized. By the way, I think we do have another caller here on the line. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, Michael? Yeah. Hey, man, uh, I love your show. This is the first time I'm calling you, man. Uh, first your time. Your voice, man, it sounds like you should be on, you should be on Coast Love Songs or something, man. I should be on, um, on a, um, Oldies radio station playing love songs. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yes, that's your voice. Hey, it's funny to hear you curse. I'm like, oh my god, that just sounds funny. <laughs> I know it sounds rather amusing. Now you, now you know what my friends go through. Like it's like you know they're they're seeing it's a constant commercial being around me. Yeah. Hey, uh, well, listen up. Uh, I go think ahead. all these. Uh, I think they're running out of uh, scare tactics. You know. And they want to use this alien invasion thing now. Um, you might be I don't right. believe that tic, that tic tac tic tac UFO, whatever they're yes. calling it. Right. Um, the, the government released it. They didn't say it was a UFO. They just said it happened. It's real, and that's it. To us, regular sheep, that's a UFO. For governments, that's our weapon, and we're showing them. In public, on YouTube, on TikTok, on Facebook, this is what we got now. So China, Russia, get scared of this and say, "Oh my God, look what they got! Look what they got!" You know. And I, I think that video came out when the epidemic hit, and they also had uh, army tanks going through downtown Los Angeles in the middle of the day at two, three o'clock. Uh, the train was going about yeah, I recall 20 that. miles per hour, 20 miles per hour, uncovered tanks for everybody to videotape. The first thing people say is, oh my God, look at this. What are they going to do to us? What are they going to do to us? What is this for us? 
That's just so people can record it in the middle of the day and it goes viral. China sees it, Russia sees it, whoever you don't like, whoever we don't like sees it, and this is what we got. This is, if, if, they, if that was for us, that would have went by at 3 a.m., covered up, 60, 80, 100 miles per hour in the train, nobody would have seen it. But it was purposely placed there at that time so people can record it and show it off. It's like if you have a neighbor you don't like, you just come outside, polish your weapon, and just, uh, just so you can see what we got. Yes. What you got. Good point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I good think, point. I think this whole alien thing, I don't think people are ready for what I think an alien really is. Ah. I don't think this is why government says you are not ready. You're everybody that knows about this. Oh, you're not ready. You're not ready. I think people are not ready because it's gonna it's gonna be very scary to find out that they've been here all along, right under our noses, but we can't see them because we are. I think we are. We're the last, of, I guess, species or whatever you want to call us that still use bodies. It's very well. It could be very possible. We might be the last thing here that's surviving. You never know. We might be one of the very last exactly. species here. Exactly. Maybe there's it's a. Like it's, go ahead. it's it's like having a horse. We don't have horses anymore. We use vehicles to get here and there. Hold on, caller. I, hold on, caller. I yeah. heard I heard someone say my voice, and it it frightened me very um very much. Go ahead, whoever said that. Go ahead. Was that you, Jim? Michael, we're we're good. We're good. We're oh, okay. I, I thought I heard someone say my name. I got freaked out there. My goodness, maybe it was an alien. I have uh, right. What was that, Jim? I have more to share with you. Uh, I mean, this is a fascinating diversion. I love this it call. Seems to me, uh, quite a bit <laughs> removed from what we were addressing. So. I love that. Yes, I know. Um, caller. Um. Yes, yeah, so you, you definitely have to call yeah. back again. We we will talk about these things. Uh, you know what? You should call back yeah. on on uh, Friday. I do have another show, and we will be talking more about UFOs. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Call back Friday. Show, you know, thank you so much for calling in. Love that first time caller, long time listener. Love it, Michael. I wanted to add. You know, I did that. Take care. Bye. Go ahead, Jim. I did that show last week with uh, David Zublick, and it led to a response from a fellow named Richard Balducci, who's done a huge amount of work. He's published a book called The Dark Occult and, and How Their Rituals yeah. uh, Rule Our World. And he had a very different take on what happened to Paul. It's much, much more sinister. It has to do with the response to John Lennon having observed that the Beatles— were more popular than Jesus. They are. And a retaliation <laughs> therefrom. And it's very much related to the song from Abbey Road, Maxwell Silver Hammer. I'm telling you, this is really stunning stuff. Well, so there I is some truth to that, though, though, Jim. Yes. The, the, there, I was going to say, there there is some truth to that, though, nowadays. I mean, most people believe more, um, you know, in, let's say, Santa Claus than they do in, in God. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, well, what I The point I'm making is uh, uh, I did an interview with Richard as a consequence, and you can also find that on uh, 
my BitChute channel. There's a BitChute channel, Jim Fetzer, and uh, this wonderful interview with Richard Balducci is there, and it's a bit unnerving. Really? If someone, if you don't have a strong stomach, you may want to spare yourself, but I'm telling you, I'm fascinated and convinced that Richard has it right, and the story is much deeper and darker than we have been led to believe. Oh, my. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very, it's a fascinating situation. It well illustrates uh, principles of scientific reasoning, in particular, that when you get new hypotheses and new evidence, you may have to adjust your beliefs, reject hypotheses you previously accepted, accept hypotheses you previously rejected, and leave others in suspense. Now, there's a, a group that is very keen on the idea that the caretaker actually is Paul McCartney, and there's a certain physical resemblance that can is, you know, appropriate evidence to cite, but I do believe Richard Balducci has taken this uh, whole giant step forward and that anyone who's seriously interested in PID, Paul is dead, is the hypothesis. If you want to get an explanation, check out my interview with Richard Balducci on my blog on BitChute, BitChute channel, Jim Fetzer. And that's not at jamesfetzer.org. Can't find it there, Jim. No, it's not. It's oh. not there now. That's my that's my regular blog. This is a video. I'm talking about my video channel on BitChute. Oh, I, I, I just thought you might have posted it on your blog. I've I got, thought that would I, have been. I a, haven't, as of this point in time. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it made its way there at, at you, one point or another. You're going to start posting. You're going to start posting those videos at jamesfetzer.org, Jim. Well. There are links, uh, links to the to the video channel right there on the blog at the top. There are old videos, recent videos. You check on the recent videos; it'll take you to the blog. But Michael, there are we're talking about hundreds of videos. I you mean, do have I'm hundreds, doing, yes. You know, yeah, I'm doing a I'm doing ten uh, ten a week. I don't even know how so, you. And that's independent. You know, that's I mean, crazy. I'm doing eleven regular shows every week, and then additional interviews such as this with you. I did one of the paranormies the other day. That was a lot of fun, too. You can find that. I do with intermittently with Susan Lindauer. They're up there, too. So, I mean, there's just a lot going on here where I've been keeping very, very active. I do especially enjoy our interviews, Michael. Of course, I think of course. you're just terrific. If you have any other callers who wanted to address, you know, issues such yeah. as those we've been discussing, that would be super. This is it. Yeah, this is now. This is the right time to call in. If anyone has any questions for the freight train, Jim Fetzer, he is here live and in the flesh taking your calls. The number is 424-666-2425. Yes, come on in. Don't be afraid. Call in. We'd like to hear from all of you. And, uh, Jim, by the way, you have been... Um, you haven't received the COVID vaccine, I believe, correct? I I recommend everyone avoid it at all costs. Um, the, the consequences appear to be very, very serious. I have uh, done whole show. I've done uh, I've done hundreds of shows on the pandemic. It looks as though. Uh, speaking generally, the whole thing's a manufactured crisis in order to motivate people to take the jab. In other words, yeah. the serious problem is a vaccine. It's not the coronavirus. 
They've, in fact, never actually isolated the virus, Michael. And since they've never isolated the virus, there cannot be a vaccine for the virus. What they have is a vaccine for some of the symptoms. But unfortunately, what they're introducing into your body is very serious and damaging, in particular in terms of this mRNA vaccine of Pfizer and Moderna. They actually change your DNA. They produce a lot of proteins. Uh, It appears they include prions, which are responsible for mad cow disease. They eat holes in the brains of cows. Uh, We are expecting an epidemic or a large number of uh, human, uh, uh, you know, mad human disease to be a consequence. Uh, But it does a whole lot of damage, too, to your body. I've gone through the list of damages that have been documented. I'm talking about dozens of different kinds of damage to the human body that are produced here. And one of the most important uh, deleterious effects are blood clots, so that uh, AstraZeneca, for example, has been banned in several countries because of blood clots. And as I may or may not have mentioned at the opening of the show... I kind of want my enemies to get vaccinated now. Sorry, well, just you random were thought. That before, yeah, Michael, yeah. But, just, you know, that yeah. you, you don't really wish. <laughs> I don't this really. Re- yes. Because, yes. because it's really bad. Yes, yeah, very. But as very I bad. believe I mentioned already, uh, Russian physicians did an autopsy on a COVID patient and discovered he died from blood clots. So they adopted an aspirin regimen, and and Michael, they sent home fourteen thousand patients to the same day with the aspirin regimen. So I say. If you have taken the vax, and I Rest hope you avoid it, but if you have, then take an aspirin a day. It just might save your life because aspirin actually prevents the blood from coagulating, prevents clots from forming. And, you know, for anyone who's actually taken the vax, I highly recommend take an aspirin a day. Take an aspirin a day. Do yourself a great benefit. Now, I'm hearing from different sources that they're actually deploying a whole mixture, that they're doing a whole lot of different kinds of experiments with the controls and not, so that a certain percentage of the vaccines are actually only innocuous saline solution, so they can, you know, have comparisons. But the fact is, we were told, you know, these are on an emergency basis. What that means is, that no one can require you to take a vaccination. Uh, In fact, after the Nuremberg trials, when they discovered that Joseph Mengele had been performing all these involuntary experiments on prisoners, the Nuremberg Nuremberg Code was fashioned, Michael, which demands that anyone before they're subjected to an experimental procedure must be fully informed. You must have informed consent which entails not only the benefits, but all the risks involved. And there are, the risks are enormous here, but also the alternatives, which turn out to be several non-invasive, very innocuous alternatives that are cheap and readily available, such as hydroxychloroquine or HCQ and ivermectin, which is another drug that seems to be 100% successful. Actually, I believe we're dealing with flu symptoms. Would you believe, Michael, last year there were 38 million cases. This is not death. 38 million cases of the flu this year, only 2,000. You think that 
37,998,000 uh, cases of the flu just disappeared. No, they were reclassified as COVID. I want more keep- flu. That's what I really want, Jim, to be honest. By the way, there is another caller. Go ahead, caller. You are live on the air. Don't disappoint me. Go ahead. Hey, Jim. Yeah. Hey, hey um, Professor. Hey, um, I, I, I'm coming on a little late, so I hope you didn't answer this question. You're already. coming a little late. That's all right. Go ahead. How dare you? Go ahead. (laughs) Now, as I just came home and I just saw that you were on, I was looking forward to it too. Um, But um, it's such a general question. But what do you think is in the goddamn vaccine? That that that, why why is this being pushed on on the population at such a dramatic level? well, it's very, it's very, very disturbing. It's a beautiful cocktail, uh, yes. I don't want to upset the audience, but I've done a huge amount on this. You should upset the audience. Well. I like when you do that, Jim. And, yeah, I mean, your, your, your opinion is valuable. We, we like when you upset the audience, Jim, to, to be honest. It's okay. <laughs> Sherry Tenpenny has described these mRNA vaccines as perfectly designed killing machines. Now, that's pretty damn disturbing in and of itself. We have a French virologist, world famous, by the name of Luc Montagnier, who is actually a joint Nobel Prize winner, who has said that everyone who gets a vax is going to die, that there's nothing that can be done for it. I'm hoping that's wrong. Uh, Judy Mikovits, who's uh, doing a brilliant job on all of this, is saying that he was mistranslated. Mm. I He's worried that a lot of people are going to get panic-stricken if they think that's the case. And I agree, it's not good, but what you ought to do at all costs if you can't avoid the vax. And I'm sorry to say, even members of my own family have taken it, notwithstanding my best efforts to dissuade them. So I don't have any... uh, I can't claim great success. (laughs) Jim, are are you telling me the the wife got vaccinated? Yeah, she did. She did. Moderna or Pfizer? Pfizer. Ah, interesting. Ooh, so obviously, obviously she, uh, obviously Jim, she, she, um, gave you a tongue lashing, I would imagine, since you refused to get vaccinated, correct? Well, I'm not going to get vaccinated. Yeah, no, no, she wouldn't even, she didn't even tell me. She she had the, she got the vax and I didn't learn about it for a couple of weeks. So, you know, I'm, yeah, understood. There it is. My there it is. Goodness, Jim. I, I. So of course, obviously, yes, I'm sir. hoping. I'm hoping she maybe was a lucky one who got a saline solution shot. I mean, you know, we both have what are called comorbidities. Right. I mean, we both have extra pounds. We're both elderly. Sure. Uh, we're we're not in perfect health. So I mean, we're in a category. Uh, that that's uh, vulnerable, but I would like to believe, you know, th- this appears to be a deliberate depopulation program, have no doubt about it. Uh, remember the Georgia Guidestone states that the ideal population for the world, which, mind you, right now is about 8 billion inhabitants, is 500 million. Well, you subtract 500 million from 8 billion, and you're talking about disposing of 7.5 billion, 7.5 billion souls from the face of Earth. What they want to do is create, return to a feudal society, and I think the Green New Deal is part and parcel. When you get rid of uh, fossil fuels, coal, gas, oil, 
you're destroying the best sources of energy. You're not going to be able to run cities on the basis of solar or wind power. I mean, it's just an absurd concept. So that individuals like AOC and Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, really, uh, they don't literally, they don't know what they're talking about. Or alternatively, they're very deceptively promoting an agenda to destroy the United States. And frankly, that's what this is all about. Everything they're doing with this uh, Democrat administration is destructive of America. It's shocking to me because in my past, I always regard myself as a JFK FDR Democrat, right. that I believe in the social safety network, social security, unemployment, Medicare, Medicaid, workman's compensation. But the party has transformed itself, and the new party is really some kind of socialist communist party that they're now wanting to issue stimulus benefits or support for farmers on the basis of race and gender. Uh, they're doing the same across the board. Well, that's, that's stunning. It's totally unconstitutional. The same laws that precluded discrimination against blacks on the basis of their race preclude discrimination against whites on the basis of their race. Now, Joe Biden was just giving an absurd talk, I believe, yesterday, talking about the greatest threat to America being white supremacy. But he couldn't even define white supremacy, what it's supposed to be. I guarantee you, and by the way, Tucker Carlson's been doing a brilliant job in dissecting these issues tonight. He did a wonderful job of dispatching Anthony. I call him Tony the Rat Fauci whom, in my judgment, is the greatest mass murder in history. He's going to go down, Michael, is responsible for more death and devastation than all of our foreign enemies combined. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Emperor Hirohito. Fauci's going to be responsible for the deaths of tens, even hundreds of millions. Oh, my. And a whole lot of them are going to be right here in the USA. Sad to say. That's the way it's adding up. So Tucker is doing quite a good job, and he was lampooning this absurd speech of Joe Biden, where he's talking about the great threat. It's not the virus. It's not nuclear war, where it looks as though Israel wants to provoke a war between the U.S. and Russia on yeah. the one hand, so that it can conduct an assault on Iran, which appears to have already begun. Uh, Iran's largest warship sank, and as it was sinking, a major refinery in Tehran caught fire. I mean, this is all outrageous. This tells me Israel is already undertaking warfare against Iran. I've encouraged the Iranians uh, to develop nuclear weapons on the, the obvious ground that when Israel is a massively... Are you against Israel, Jim? I, I am shocked, by the way, to hear this from you. You are. I didn't know you well, were. Look, a, I didn't know you were a liberal, Jim. My goodness. We want to promote mutually assured destruction. You got to understand. You know, we had like 40, 50 years of the Cold War where there's a standoff between the U.S. and the USSR because we were most massively nuclear armed, and we knew that if we attacked one of us, attacked the other, it would guarantee our own destruction. So we had stability. If Iran had nuclear weapons, it would bring stability. Iran is being falsely depicted as a terrorist state. It's nothing of the kind. There is no better example of a peaceful nation in the world today than Iran, which has not launched a war of aggression against any other state since, Michael, 1775. 
Just to put that in perspective, the ratification of the Constitution began in 1787. The election of George Washington as our first president, 1789. So for longer than the United States has existed as a constitutional republic, Iran has not launched a war of aggression against any other state. And I'll tell you, the country that's the past practitioner, the foremost of false flag attacks, is not Iran. Israel. It is Israel, without any doubt. Are you saying Israel is a terrorist state, Jim? Oh, absolutely. And look at their slaughter of the Palestinians. I mean, this is brutality. And the U.S. is aiding and abetting. The U.S. is providing all those weapons to Israel. They're using against the Palestinians. The observation has been made that the Israelis are treating the Palestinians the way uh, uh, the the Jews claim they were treated by the Nazis during the Holocaust. Now, I'll tell you, the official narrative of the Holocaust is uh, is a form of mythology because those were not uh, death camps. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jim. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on, Jim. Hold on. Didn't you have this sort of discussion on another radio show? I I recently heard that you were on, uh, I think you were like on Clyde Lewis's show talking about something like this. Is that true? Clyde Lewis? That was a good number of years ago. What happened? Clyde Lewis, that was one of the only two shows where I was ever cut off. Oh, my God. And Clyde Lewis. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Actually, it's interesting. It's interesting, Michael. Clyde Lewis wasn't atta- uh, didn't cut me off for talking about the Holocaust, but oh. we're talking about Sandy Hook. Oh shit! And, okay. And, and Jason Goodman cut me off for talking about nine eleven and the impossibility of an aircraft having Jason entered Goodman. the South Tower. Jason Goodman yuck. cut me off. Yeah, yuck! You know, hearing that name, it's kind of it's kind of dirty. Like I, I, I kind of want to take a shower now. Well, I think. Uh, <laughs> If, you, if I had to surmise, I would say Jason Goodman is Mossad. I mean, that might would be, be my inference, but I admit that's just a matter of personal opinion, and everyone's welcome to disagree with me. Does he have claws? Clyde, I don't know. Clyde he might. Lewis. You know, I had a very cordial conversation with Clyde Lewis, who I gather is open to all kinds of uh, conspiracy discussion sure. and research and investigation. But in this instance, when I began talking about Sandy Hook, he cut me off. I was pretty mm. damn fascinated by that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I thought that's where sort of his whole program was sort of headed toward. You know, this sort of discussion. So for him to cut you off, that's a little odd. Maybe it was the Very, higher ups. Maybe it was the higher ups that didn't want you talking about let, that, Jim. Let me, let me tell your audience, by the way, they ought to check out a recent article of mine on Unz U N Z. Dot com. It's entitled, What's Wrong with Conspiracy Theories? Michael, for years I was trying to get a philosophy journal, actually the Journal of Philosophy, to publish an article about what's wrong with conspiracy theories, where I explained that because conspiracy theories are theories, they can be evaluated by the same criteria as scientific theories, which include the clarity and precision of the language in which they're expressed, a scope of application for explanation and prediction of the available data, the degree of confirmation uh, on that evidence, and then the overall simplicity, elegance, or economy with which they achieve those effects. And I, I, I explain all that in this article. For whatever reason, a journal of philosophy wouldn't publish it. I mean, it's very straightforward. I was using the same criteria yes. for the evaluation of scientific theories as the world-famous philosopher of science for whom I wrote my undergraduate thesis, Carl G. Hempel, 
had published, you know, oh, how many decades ago? I mean, somewhere around 1957. I mean, he did this brilliant work on the concept of cognitive significance, you know, and, and explained that, that there are grades or degrees of how significant a claim is made. Now, just to offer you an illustration, when Ilan Omar said on 9-11, somebody did something, see, that's pretty vague. Now, it's virtually trivially true because to say somebody did something doesn't <laughs> yes. require much in the way of uh, specificity right. to be turn out to be true. But when the 9-11 commission that told us that 19 Islamic terrorists commandeered four commercial carriers identified the planes and the atrocities they committed under the control of a guy off in a cave in Afghanistan, now we got a lot to work with. And of course, it turns out, for example, I mean, not only were all four of those crash sites fabricated or faked, albeit in different ways, and I almost reached the point of explaining that I actually did a show with Major General Albert Stubblebine, who had been formerly in charge of all U.S. military signals, including photographic intelligence, where General Stubblebine not only agreed with the reasons I gave for concluding that each of the four crash sites had been fake, but offered additional reasons of his own, Michael. How, how good is that, right? This is the guy who right. was in charge of U.S. military intelligence agreeing with me that all four of the crash sites were fake. But when you discover that a half a dozen or more of these guys turned up alive and well the following day and made contact with the British media, I mean, so the whole thing is, is just bananas. But as James Files, who has claimed to have been shot the, from the grassy knoll, told me once the government commits itself to a, a lie, it's locked in. It will never change. So that even though we discover a half a dozen or more of these guys turned up alive and well the following day, the government, the FBI, hasn't altered its list of the 19, even though it's provably false. It's provably false. In fact, this masterpiece by David Ray Griffin entitled The 9-11 Commission Report Omissions and Distortions makes that his very first point. My goodness. So what you have going on here now in this article entitled What's Wrong with Conspiracy Theories, I talk about quite a range of theories. I use JFK and 9-11 as a primary illustrations, but other cases have, have surfaced there. And we now have approximately, get this, Michael, 950 comments. Jesus Christ, Jim. Hold on. Hold that thought. We do have another call for you here. This is a number that I'm not familiar with, so this might be a first-time caller. Let's hope they don't disappoint me. Caller, go ahead. You're live. First-time caller. Oh, my God. Go ahead. Hey, Jim, uh, watch out for this guy that you're talking with, uh, this host that you're dealing with. Oh, this is a very angry individual, by the way, Jim. He, um, you mean Michael? You mean Michael? Yes, the, this this caller he's here. He's warned, um. <laughs> he's warned me about you, Michael. <laughs> yeah, he's talking about me. Uh, this is a very interesting call here. We'll take him right now in a moment here, but yes, Jim, he he's very upset with me. Let, let's hear what he has I to say. Probably rolling over in his grave right now. You got Whoa, him. Oh, he's very angry. He was calling me a hick. I don't think that's what he was calling you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> But it rhymes. <laughs> as long as I can make you laugh, Jim, then I know I'm doing my job. I'll tell you. I mean, I look, I, I get attacked frequently. <laughs> uh, what I find most amusing, Michael, is people who tell me I'm a, actually a government agent. 
Given that I've exposed <laughs> government complicity in JFK, 9-11, Wellstone, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, Orlando, Charlottesville, Parkland, Las Vegas, if I'm a government agent, I must be the least successful in history. I mean, it's stunning, Michael. You I mean, don't work for the CIA. They, I thought you did. Up, where do they come up with some of this stuff? They are on drugs, Jim. That's what I think. They're on drugs. They're on drugs. They're high when they're called the show. Oh, uh, these are these are mostly these are government shills. Yes. You know, they've got hundreds of people who go around attacking everyone who's exposing the truth about these events. I think it really. Where they, I, you they know, do not want the truth exposed, Michael. I, I think you're right, Jim. I think it was uh, undercover Mossad agent, Jim. You know, one of these guys. Well, I don't know about that particular caller. I mean, there obviously are people who take exception for whatever reason as an idiosyncratic issue. I agree. I mean, he, didn't, he didn't sound to me government-ish at all. He sounded like he was just bent out of shape and obviously not your biggest fan. Not my biggest fan, yeah. He sounded a little <laughs> autistic to say the very least, but yes, maybe he's going to get the vaccine very soon. I'm not quite sure. Maybe he'll get a free beer. You know, Joe Biden, you know, he's pushing. Oh, that this with, is awful. <laughs> yes. You know, in Ohio, in Ohio, Governor DeWine, DeWine has offered a million dollars. They've got five million dollar lotteries, one a week. If you And if you get vaxxed, you can be a candidate for the lottery. And they're also offering five uh, yes. college tuitions. I mean, this is just a terrible reason. Look, you're putting your life in jeopardy. I say that without any doubt, without any hesitation. I've done hundreds of shows about the coronavirus. If you take the shot, you're putting your life in jeopardy. Is that worth, you know, entering into a, a million-dollar lottery where the odds are pretty remote anyway? I think it was one in 2.7 million had uh, had were entered in this last lottery. That's silly. Yeah. yeah, it would be great if you won. But on the other hand, if you're not going to live long enough to spend it, right? Think about it. Yeah, think about it. Use your head. And by the way, Jay Andrews in the chat, he says, question for Jim, a 9-11 question. Yes, go ahead and ask your question in the chat, and, I, and I'll get Jim to answer that for you. And by the way, Jim... Speaking of 9-11, this brought me back to, of course, this recording, the very infamous recording of Bill Cooper, who was talking about 9-11 a little bit before it even happened. Let's hear that clip. Supposedly, a CNN reporter found Osama bin Laden took a television camera crew with him, went into Osama bin Laden's hideout, interviewed him and his top leadership and he came out and told everybody within three weeks Osama bin Laden is going to attack the United States and Israel now don't you think that's kind of strange folks you see because the largest intelligence apparatus in the world with the biggest budget in the history of the world has been looking for Osama bin Laden for years and years and years and can't find him. Some doofus jerk-off reporter with a camera crew bosses right into his hideout and interviews him. And I'm telling you, be prepared for a major attack. But it won't be Osama bin Laden. It will be those behind the New World Order I wonder what Osama bin Laden's targets are supposed to be. And if they don't 
you know, if this doesn't materialize in the next two or three weeks, it will eventually materialize because they haven't succeeded in getting the guns out of the hands of the American people, nor have they succeeded in taking our freedoms away. And so I yes, and that was the hour of the time broadcast back on uh, June 28th. Oh, one. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you how bad it is. And um, go in there. Jump I in. just recorded this on my blog. I got an article where I embedded. It was uh, talking about you know the government's frauds and all that. Uh, Osama bin Laden was our man in Afghanistan. Michael, he yes. was instrumental in getting Stinger missiles into the hands of the Mujahideen, which they used to shoot down r- r- uh, Soviet Union helicopters and planes. Uh, yes, it's a, an article entitled White House Admits Staging Fake Vaccination Operation to Gather DNA from the Public. This is a pretty damn interesting article. You can find it at jamesfetzer.org. And where I was just, you know, uh, uh, mention of Osama came up, he was actually an officer in the CIA, Colonel Tim Osman. An official from the agency visited him in a hospital in Dubai shortly before his death from his medical maladies. It's tough to get dialysis machines in and out of those caves in Afghanistan, Michael. He died on 15 December 2001. He was buried in an unmarked grave in accordance with Muslim traditions. There were local obituaries, both CNN and Fox, on the 26th of December 2001, reported Osama bin Laden was dead. But Barack Obama found it politically expedient to resurrect him and have him die again in a staged raid on a compound in Pakistan. I'm telling you, the government plays us over and over and over again. And giving all that money to the intelligence agencies only enables them to exercise more control over our own government and steal our liberty and freedom and democracy. I... I strongly suspect that John Brennan was involved in the theft of the election from Donald Trump, whom he despised. And of course, Brennan appears to be like Barack Obama, a Muslim himself. I think that the founding fathers were very wise when they declared that you had to be a natural born citizen to become president. Obama, of course, was not but rather appears to have been born in Kenya, where they have a monument to the first Kenyan president of the United States, not realizing there cannot be a Kenyan president of the United States. When he was elected to office, his first act was to close all of his educational records, just when every little kid in the country wanted to study the life history of the first black president of the United States, Michael. My goodness. And, uh, Jim, there's so much to discuss with you here, but we are sort of winding down here. And, uh, my goodness, before we even took that first call, though, I did ask you about President, former President Donald J. Trump and how he was allegedly saying he's going to come back in August. Um, your thoughts and opinions on that, Jim, before we close it out here. Well, it would be a good thing for the country because the Biden administration is doing everything it can to destroy the country. I mean, honestly, literally, economically, politically, morally, uh, it's going on uh, at an unbelievable pace. And I think they're very worried that when you get the exposure of the massive fraud of this election, where you had a a contingent from uh, Pennsylvania travel to Arizona to review 
their audit in anticipation of doing one in Pennsylvania. The, the theft of the election is so massive, Michael, uh, that it's all going to come out. The problem is between the time these offenses are committed and the time that they're actually exposed and subject to some kind of constitutional review. Now, even Sidney Powell, who is, uh, you know, a very formidable legal intellect, has suggested that Trump could be reinstated in office with a discovery that he actually won the election. And I'll tell you, he didn't just win. He won it going away. I mean, it was one of the most massive electoral victories in American history. Sydney herself put out an electoral map before they, you know, all the numbers were adjusted and Trump actually swept from coast to coast. He carried California and Minnesota, both of which I was predicting myself, and where uh, he had a total of 410 electoral votes. Now, as Sydney observes, we're in uncharted territory because we've never had this situation before. But if the, there's proof, and I think there was proof already with the Texas lawsuit that the Supreme Court declined to hear, that what ought to happen, and that's not necessarily what will happen, is that there's a reversion that, it, that Biden was uh, disqualified that he was not elected president, that Trump was elected president, that Trump ought to be reinstated, I believe that would actually be very good for the nation because Biden is doing so much damage in the shortest possible time. Uh, but if the Supreme Court was willing to not take the Texas lawsuit, which delineated very, very clearly how Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Michigan had all violated their own laws in determining their delegates, how they were grossly in violation, which was about as outrageous an act as the Supreme Court has ever taken, which will stain its history forever. I mean, that's a, that's a decision that will endure in the halls of infamy. Uh, it, who knows? You know, is it actually going to happen? I think Sidney's right that it should happen, but will it? Uh, the we'll Supreme find Court out. should have taken the Texas lawsuit, yet it did not. And, you know, I should have been vindicated by the appellate court here in Wisconsin, and I was not. And we'll just have to see how these things play out. I wish I could be cheerful and optimistic about any of this. I just have to give you the most realistic account I can because I'm I'm a truth junkie. I'm committed yeah. to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but, Michael. I respect that. And once again, Jim, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program. It's always a honor and pleasure to have you here. And, of course, you can find Jim's work at jimfetzer.org. Definitely go there or moonrockbooks.com. That's where you'll find everything. Once again, Jim, it's been a blast. My pleasure, Michael, always. Thank you so much, Jim. Talk to you soon. You got it. Good night. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was the one and the only Jim Fetzer. And, of course, as we take it home here tonight and pull this Larry Silverstein style, it was a blast to be here during the week. And, of course, I will return Friday with uh, Scott Brown. That should be quite interesting. And don't forget, if you are a fan of this program or a hardcore listener, you know, quotes around all those things there. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And yes, that is where you will find gold. And of course, if you want to simply leave a donation, that would be very kind. Go, go to michaeldeacon.com. And on the right hand side of the screen, there is a PayPal button there. Use it. 
That's, of course, if you don't want to sign up for Patreon. That's always a workaround there for you. And I will personally send you Patreon episodes for you. Yes. Patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. More episodes to come. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not done so. And, of course, download the podcast version on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, and Spotify. International listeners out there, thank you so much for your support. Canada, Germany, the UK, Australia, Norway, and Brazil, Sweden. Love all of you very much. Yes, good show as always. Much love and respect from El Centro. That comes from Fatty Love. I have no idea who that is, but I really do appreciate those kind words. Now, whatever it is you do choose to believe, you must adapt and overcome all these sort of obstacles in your way right now, especially now, here as we wind down halfway through 2021. Holy shit, where did the time go? I don't know. Oy vey, indeed, I don't know what's happening here, folks. Things are getting scary, that's for sure. But, you know, whatever is going on in your life there, in your world, uh, remember that we are here. You know, we do come in a form of, um, I guess, in a sort of a strange, sort of therapeutic sort of um, way here for all of you out there. If you are sad, depressed, you know, you just listen to the show and it'll get you right back on your feet. It's true. It's very true. Lots of people out there have been very depressed and then they listen to the show and they're back. They were resurrected. It's pretty interesting. Yes, I will return Friday to entertain all of you out there. Stay safe, everyone, no matter where you are on this island Earth. I'm Michael Deacon, and with that said, as you know, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, mahalo. Mahalo.